My new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, is out. You can get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what Nicholas said on March 6th on Amazon. Incredibly incisive, useful, and sensible. The author is not greedy and is, in fact, extremely generous and does not hold back on the knowledge he imparts. I've barely made it halfway to the book, and I'm already gushing over the book because it's an absolute gem. Nathan gets to the point quick, shows proof, and best of all, shows you not just what to do, but how to do it in explicit detail. To say the book is actionable is an understatement. Now, you guys that listen to the podcast know I'm detail-oriented, so that review might not surprise you, but I hope you grab the book. It's now a Wall Street Journal instant national bestseller. Grab it at capitalistbook.com. Audible version is available too. Launched a company back about 15 years ago in 2003, retail chains, you know, didn't pay himself for three or four years into that, then finally started taking a check before they pivoted in 2000 and it was about eight years ago. It was about 2010. For about two years, they kind of floundered they were building. Then they scaled really quickly for about, call it two, three years. Uh, stayed bootstrapped. Today, they're serving over 50 enterprise clients, helping them do, helping them do much better experience driven surveying. Past a million bucks a month. That's up 100% a year over year or between 15 100% year over year. So healthy growth, less than 10% revenue churn per year. They've got a team of 40 people based between Seattle and Spain looking to scale, especially in the sales role over the next 12 months. Maybe raise, maybe sell. We'll see. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Max Israel. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Customerville, creator of the design-driven feedback platform. Max leads an innovative team who blend technology, art, and behavioral science to make the customer feedback process engaging and actionable. Customerville is known for aggressively pushing the limits of what people expect from customer surveys and reporting. Max, are you ready to take us to the top? I am indeed. All right. Tell us about the company. What do you guys do and how do you make money? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, so <laughs> I founded I founded the company about 15 years ago uh, because I needed a way to get feedback from from customers in a business I owned at, at the time and I still own. And you've probably seen the you know customer feedback surveys everywhere you go. If you fill up for your car with gas or you buy coffee or something like that, you're going to get a request to fill out a survey. Um, and uh, and you know kind of in the early days, 15 years ago, there really wasn't an approachable way. Uh, to do that. So I hired a programmer and we invented a platform to get feedback from our customers and put it right in the hands of, uh, of our employees. But about eight years ago, things got really interesting because I woke up one day and realized I fucking hated it. That essentially, <laughs> you, hated, you hated what, the software or the business? I hated surveys. Like, uh-huh. uh, like you know, Americans this year will get over 40 billion surveys and they all look like you're taking the SAT test. Or mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I thought there had to be a better way. So we, we went back to the drawing board and we said, we're not going to, fortunately, I still owned and I still own the business. I was one of the few players in my space that didn't raise like venture money. So yep. I had the latitude to do what I wanted to do. And we said, hey, we can make surveys actually be part of the customer experience. We can make the act of asking for feedback be uh, something that's really enjoyable. 
And then also we can, by extension, make how you share that that information, that data with the employees, something that builds them up and makes them better at their jobs. And and the the way we ultimately figured out how to do that was to blend three things, great technology, which we had, with great art and design and behavioral science. And that's kind of what makes us different today. So that was, eight, you know, eight years ago. And today that's really... Wait, what- sorry. Eight, I thought you said 15 years ago. Founded the company 15 years ago. Eight years ago, I realized I just didn't like what the company had become. Got it. Okay. So then what? You spun this technology out or what? No, essentially, we just rebuilt the company, the culture, and the technology from the ground up. So it's a pivot, uh, basically. Yeah, it's a pivot. We yeah. pivoted from, we're going to do what everybody else does, which is make surveys that are, in essence, uh, a web form where you're asking your customer, who's like the most valuable person, right? Your customers or employees are these two incredibly valuable groups of people. You're asking your customer to give you feedback after, I don't know, buying a car, getting a mortgage, or going to see a doctor. And you're asking them to fill out a form on like on the web, that makes no sense at all, right? Um, we thought we could make that experience a lot richer, a lot more interesting. And uh, so we rebuilt and reinvented the company to sort of redefine our space. And give me a general sense of a kind of customers today. What are they paying you on average per month for this? You know, it really depends. We're, real, we're B2B. Nate. So I guess that's the first thing is we're, you know, we have clients in the world that, you know, spend $50,000 a year with us. And we have clients that spend seven figures a year. What was it just to avoid going on every cohort though? I mean, give me a general, is seven grand a good average per year or 10 grand, 50? No, probably a quarter million a year is an average client. Oh, okay. So, so actually much larger than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Okay. And just to be clear, that's not like your 1% highest paying customer. That's like a good average contract size for you. As an average contract size is a couple hundred thousand dollars. And that's true across my space. I'm in a space called Enterprise Feedback Management, EFM. And there are many companies that do this, and, and it's, a, it's a, an industry that is valued in the you know, many tens of billions of dollars. So there's a lot of players in the space. But generally, you think of this as Enterprise Feedback Management. Great. We'll talk more about what a sales cycle looks like on that kind of contract here in a, in a bit. But first, are you still bootstrapped today or have you raised? I haven't raised any money. That's great. I love that. But you know, we were successful kind of out of the gate. This is like, you probably see this story a lot with your, with entrepreneurs that you uh, interview. It's not hard to get revenue. It's hard to feed your family. And so you've got to get through those early years where you can get enough revenue to cover the needs of the business and feed your family. So how did you start pulling? Tell me that story. When, when did you pull the first dollar out of the company and how did you do it? Was it a dividend, a rev share, a salary you finally put yourself on? What was it? Uh, we laugh, my wife and I laugh that we, you know, we, we, I mentioned 15 years ago that we had, we had this other business that was the genesis of this one. I owned a small retail chain and this tool was designed to, you really, we built it for that. It was probably two or three years before I took my first paycheck. Right. So we considered, we continued to pay ourselves from that other business. And eventually I took a small, uh, a small salary, a small paycheck of a thousand dollars a month or something like that. Uh, and, uh, and from the current, from the current company or the retail shops from the current company, my software company, but really it was about plowing the revenue back into the business. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, it was probably three years into it before I was taking money or four years into the business before I took a reasonable salary of, you know, 30 or $40,000 today. Obviously it's a lot more than that. Yeah. It's very successful, but that took a little while. What have you scaled to today in terms of total customers now using you? Uh, so we keep those cards pretty close to the vest, but but it's uh, it's a number kind of bet- you know between fifty and a hundred uh, in you know globally. And, and bear in mind, our 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 clients are companies like big pharmaceutical companies, banks, retailers, 
you know, insurance companies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, Max, I'm, I ask because I want to give you credit where credit's due. I assume this is obviously a low volume, but super high touch, high ACV model, which it sounds like it is. I mean, even at the minimum 50 customers you just gave me at that contract size you just gave me of 250 on average, that's about 20 grand a month. I mean, that puts you at about a million bucks a month in terms of current revenue. Is that about accurate? It's not far off. Okay, very good. And talk to me about growth. Where were you about a year ago? Uh, you know, it, what's interesting about this, and again, I'm sure this is a theme you hear a lot, is uh, a couple of years ago, we looked at the business and I just realized that what we had in terms of team and infrastructure, you know, we, we, we kind of pivoted uh, and changed the, the business model. And for the first couple of years, I'm not going to lie to you about this, visitors from another planet would have looked at my decision about what to do with this company and thought, oh, this is what earthlings do if they want to screw up their sales, right? So we just flattened out. And then sales started climbing again rapidly as big companies like In that. what big, year? Oh, this would have been about six years ago, seven years ago. So about eight years ago, I made the decision I wanted to change completely the, yep. the way we approached the business. By you know, And now a year or two after that, we had done that and we're positioning ourselves in the market that way with this idea of design-driven feedback. And sales totally flattened out. Uh, until they didn't, until all of a sudden people started realizing that there was this phenomenon called survey fatigue where where people are just sick of getting surveys and, and larger global brains realized, hey, we need to address this. And there we were. Suddenly we kind of weathered the storm and stuck to our guns and had the courage of our conviction. And at that point, Nate, sales kind of took off. And they when they surged, uh, we, we grew rapidly for a couple of years. And then about uh, two years ago, we well, hold on. What, what is rapidly? You're talking 200, 300% year over year, that kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of a hundred percent, like doubling. Yeah. Right? yeah. So doubling. And then, and then, um, and then a couple of years ago, we had to kind of, you heard, you know, I'm sure you heard this analogy all the time. We had to change the, um, airplane engines and all of the stuff like that mid flight. Yeah. Yeah. We I get did, it. I get it. Growth, yeah, growth flattens a little bit. Right. But, but give it before you, I, I want people to have the number before they hear the story. So a million a month today, where were you about a year ago? Like 800, 900? Uh, no, we've kind of, we've kind of gone, uh, we've kind of, uh, we went through about two years where we were flat. And then I would say, uh, about two years ago, uh, we started growing between 50 and hundred percent a year. And today we're still at that kind of number. So we, that's we still really, that's still max really I mean, you put up a big story in front of just giving me the number. I mean, that's still a healthy number for a bootstrap company at your scale. I mean, 50 to hundred percent year over year growth doing 12 million bucks run rate. That's healthy growth. Yeah, that is. That's that's good growth. We're happy about it. And uh, and frankly, I see nothing but opportunity. And it's almost dazzling to look at the world and see. Where Where is the growth coming from? Adding new customers? Or do you have a really good expansion machine? Is your net revenue retention well above 100%? No, no. I mean, look, in, in any B2B sales cycle, you're going to suffer some attrition. And we try and keep that at or below 10%. Because companies... Are you at that now, though? Yeah. Yeah, that's about um, but that's pretty typical in our industry. Companies uh, fall off for a variety of reasons. And most of that are, are things that are outside of your control. But, you know, what's interesting to me are the quality of companies that we uh, have been adding, the quality of companies that we have in our pipeline and things like that. So I think if you and I were to talk a year from now, we'd continue to have that growth number of kind of, you know, but Max, I, I sorry, 100% is pretty, is pretty aggressive. If we can consistently hit 50% growth, I'm, I think that's about it. Sorry, I wasn't talking about growth. I was talking about net revenue retention. So at your contract size, I assume you have an expansion machine in place. You take one customer that pays 250 grand in year one, you expand it to 300 grand in year two because you add seats and features. So my general question is, what is your expansion revenue on that cohort from a year ago? You lose 10% of them. What do you expand them by? 
Uh, actually, I don't know the answer to that. Oh, okay. But do you have, I mean, is there a playbook your inside sales team is following to drive expansion revenue or no? Um, we do, but a lot of that has, uh, has relied on new features that we've added to our technology that are just now coming online. So I that, see. that is, that's become an important part of our strategy for the future, but it hasn't been in the past. I see. I see. Fair enough. And color the team for me today. What's the team size and what's the breakdown? So we're, uh, we're under about 40 people, but really there, I only have two salespeople, one in the U S one in Europe. And I pitch in with that. So all of the things that we are talking about now come from a very small number of, of outside sales. That's great. And the rest of the team is engineering or what? Yeah, we've got designers and we've got developers. Okay, very good. And so when you look at your fully weighted CAC, obviously you have any direct paid spend you're doing, maybe you don't do any, and then you have two salespeople. What are you willing to spend to acquire a new $250,000 a year customer? Uh, that's a question I ask myself every day and, and I'd be giving myself more credit than it's probably due if I uh, if I told you I completely engineered that. I haven't. We've really, um, we've really, um, I'm trying to find a graceful way of saying floundered around in terms of marketing. We went through that period in our, of our evolution where we did nothing. And then we went through a period of our evolution where we focused on AdWords and, uh, and an inbound marketing strategy. And about a year and a half, a few years ago, we completely abandoned that and, um, and focused. How on, big was that test? How much, how much money did you spend on that test? Uh, we kind of started out spending fifty to hundred thousand a year, and and then got up to the point where we were spending uh, between three and four hundred thousand dollars a year on AdWords and related uh, costs to drive an inbound marketing campaign. And I think our just, you know, the, we always wonder what happened because the the results dissipated. I'd be curious at some point to hear what your other people you've interviewed have said about this, but it just stopped working. And now what we focus on it is understanding who are the analysts that cover our space at places like Forrester and Gartner developing those relationships, what are events we can sponsor and places where we can put ourselves in front of serious corporate buyers who spend a quarter million a year. Part of what might have happened is that AdWords is a great place to play for trying to get somebody to give you a thousand dollars a year, but not maybe for what we grew. A quarter million. Yeah. 100%. I mean, outbound and account-based marketing is probably a better thing for that. Do you, I mean, do you have plans to scale the, the inside sales team so they can do more outbound account kind of targeting? We do. We're evaluating a series of plans for 2019, but you're, you're right on. Will those plans include raising capital? Is it something you do? Probably. You like to stay, stay solo. Yeah. You know, I, what's interesting is, uh, I've got a lot of friends who've done this. I actually had a lot of pressure being from Seattle and we had early success. I had a lot of pressure to raise money. Uh, and, uh, a a cousin of mine who heads up a venture fund, a well-known venture fund here took me out to lunch and said, Max, you're going to get three things, a boss, a pay cut and a lottery ticket. Don't do it. I was glad I didn't do it. But today, uh, what I find is that um, that there may, there may be something that we do in terms of uh, corp dev work where we, we evaluate our strategic options in the next year or two. But it, it, what, wait, wait, sorry. Sorry. What does that mean? Like a secondary or something? No, like we either um, we either do a majority recap or, or sell the company or something like that. Those are the types of things that I see potentially in the future. Um, are you in acquisition talks with anyone now? No. No, we're, you know, those, I get those calls every single week. For the last two years, I've got uh, a call from either a private equity fund or an M&A, M&A shop every single week. And I take them seriously. Uh, so there's a lot of interest in acquiring our company, but I think we still have work to do before the timing is right. What's the number where your wife would kill you when you go home and say, honey, I just turned down a hundred million dollar acquisition offer. What's the number? You have, you're, you're well known for asking penetrating questions of your, is that what you call them? Penetrating questions? I think you, I've seen some of your stuff and read some of these transcripts and looked at your websites. You ask penetrating questions. Uh, that's a good, a good thing. That's a good thing, right? 
the great thing. So my answer to that is don't marry somebody who would ask you that kind of question. <laughs> God, you need to go into politics, Max. You, you'd kill it. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Fair, fair answer, by the way, fair answer. Let's, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? I don't have a famous business book. My uh, favorite, my favorite, my, my favorite book right now is, is that this one? Oh, yeah, I got it right here. Uh, it's a French book called The Cash Schneider. It's about a guy who never forgets anything. Reminds me of you. Oh gosh, that'd be scary. Okay, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? No. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business besides your own? Uh, believe it or not, the camera on my phone. I, have a, I always buy a highest end high uh, uh, iPhone and I get more out of that camera and what it lets me capture and record and fold into my business. If you've seen our vlog, 40 Billion Reasons, that was a side project and now some 10,000 people a month and customer experience watch it. Every second of that is shot on my iPhone. That's great. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, I try never to get less than eight. That's so good. I'm 40, dude, I'm 47. That's a uh, short, short, circuiting, short circuiting sleep or exercise is a zero sum game. So married 47 and how, how many kids do you have, if any? Three kids. Three kids. Okay, you got a full boat. Um, last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I wish my 20-year-old self knew that he was on the right track. Guys, there you have it. No matter what, you're on the right track. You're learning. You're going along. Launched a company back about 15 years ago in 2003, retail chains. You know, didn't pay himself for three or four years into that. Then finally started taking a check before they pivoted in 2000. And it was about eight years ago. It was about 2010. For about two years, they kind of floundered. They were building. Then they scaled really quickly for about, call it two, three years. Uh, stayed bootstrapped. Today, they're serving over 50 enterprise clients, helping them do, helping them do much better experience-driven surveying. Past a million bucks a month. That's up 100% a year over year or between 50 and year over year. So healthy growth, less than 10% revenue churn per year. They've got a team of 40 people based between Seattle and Spain looking to scale, especially in the sales role over the next 12 months. Maybe raise, maybe sell. We'll see. Max, thanks for taking us to the top. Good to talk to you.